Hello, hello, my dear audience. Hello, my known and unknown friends. I am Peter Resnick and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. I'm so, so excited to tell you that finally this show goes live. And Rodney just wrote to me, sent me an email and said that, yes, I will be able to take your calls. So you can call me anytime at 888-874-4888. 888-874-4888. And you can still, of course, email me at drpeterresnik at gmail.com. G-R-P-T-E-R-R-E-Z-N-I-K at gmail.com. This is my 90th show. And I'm really happy to be with you today. Um, you know, when I go through my day, ladies and gentlemen, I, whatever things happen, ideas pop into my mind, and I think that would, be, <coughs> excuse me, that would be inter <coughs> excuse me, that would be interesting to my listeners, and I have this ongoing conversation with you. So you are part of my life and I'm always looking forward every Tuesday uh, to have your attention and to hear your opinion, uh, your questions. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to receive them live, but I am grateful to you for keeping in touch with me through your emails. And now finally we can communicate. So please feel free to call me anytime i of course i was thinking of what i will talk to you today because i didn't even uh, hope that this time finally you will be able to call in so i prepared some subjects to discuss but again as i said i will gladly put it aside and take your call so last week we spoke about schizophrenia uh, and i told you there are different ways to look at and treat schizophrenia, depending on your understanding, of course, where it comes from, the origins of the illness. And really, there is no common understanding in the health field of the origins of the problem. And there is a number, and of course, biological psychiatry now treats schizophrenia with medication, even though they say yes, psychotherapy be, may be useful. But psychiatrist, late uh, psychiatrist, Dr. William Glesser, uh, had this idea, um, came up with the concept of what he called choice theory. And uh, his idea was that even people who are what is commonly called psychotic, have psychotic episodes, or people who are schizophrenic or have bipolar disorder still make choices. And I have to tell you, uh, I think I told you last time uh, about one experience I had. Yes, I believe I did with Willie. But also, a number of times, I don't know if you, again, you, if you had the opportunity to see something like this, where a person directs traffic. I actually saw it two times 
in America in the last 40 years. And, and one time I remember even when I lived in the Soviet Union, you see a person directing traffic. And it's one way street, one way traffic. And guess what, he's standing on the corner and directs the traffic, which direction? The way the traffic goes anyway. I did not see ever uh, a person uh, directing the traffic the opposite way, which means somehow he wants to feel in control. He wants to feel in power. And so therefore he plays a traffic cop, but he directs the cars where they go anywhere, anyway, so that he would not have the conflict, at least here in this imaginal world, that he is out of control. No, he is in control. And of course, some people imagine that their uh, president and their Jesus Christ and their mother Teresa, all to escape the pain of what is, of their life, and to uh, to choose some more favorable favorable reality. And treatment with medication simply numbs a person's pain, takes him or her out of the misery that they experience, but basically put a person on pause. That is, till he dies or she dies, uh, they are not in the real world. They are not learning any uh, tools of living a better quality of life. They simply don't have the, uh, to some degree, um, some more or less. Uh, than less, but uh, they don't have this existential uh, angst uh, or desperation about life that many have. Uh, a medical doctor, psychiatrist, Dr. Daniel Dorman says uh, that biological psychiatry or medication, psychotropic meditation are simply symptom suppressors. They don't accomplish anything. And of course, my friend Peter Bregan, who says that we brutalize the most vulnerable people. They need love, care, support, understanding, connection with the reality, not disconnection from reality uh, by simply numbing their experience in life, because to the degree that the experience of pain, fear, anxiety, desperation is numbed, so is the feeling of joy and excitement. So people kind of become flat and go day by day without possibly being tormented, uh, but yet not fully alive. But for them to connect with the reality, they need to know that with us, uh, with all of us around them, uh, they, they can connect and receive from us support, understanding, and of course, the idea of people who oppose psychotropic drugs is that uh, people who became ill in the first place, disconnected, disconnected from love, disconnected from people that were important to them, either disconnected or never had the connection 
you know, people have grow up in different environment. And we spoke about it, about double blind, double bind uh, messages that people receive, like no win situation, and they have to escape into the world of delusions. There is an interesting, at least to me, an interesting story, I remember was told, I read, uh, written by uh, Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. Actually, it wasn't written at all. His students, there is an institute of Breslov, and his students wrote his ta teaching tales. And there is a story uh, about a king um, whose son suddenly get, got ill. His son, the prince, one day, and we can, of course, imagine what kind of king that king was and what kind of environment the prince grew up in. But suddenly, the prince was hiding under the table naked. And when people came to talk to him, uh, he said, I am a turkey. And so he refused to, to talk to people and just ask for food as the turkey would eat. Uh, and in the beginning, the king got angry and sent um, people to, to pull him out from under the table. And eventually he understood that the king, the prince is really just very sick or crazy. So he called the best doctors that he had, and nobody was able to persuade the, the prince that he was not a turkey. And King was desperate. And one day, uh, a man, an older man came uh, to the King and said, I know how to treat and he heard about it. Many people started hearing the story that the, the prince became a turkey. And the old man said, I know how to treat your son. And the King, even though the person was not a doctor, uh, the King agreed to give it a shot because he was quite desperate. And so the old man stripped down and dressed and naked crawled under the table. And the prince looked at the man, looked at the man and said, What are you doing here? I'm a turkey. What are you doing under this under this table in my space? And the man said, I'm a turkey too. Hmm, said the prince. Well then you can be here with me. And so they stayed for uh, a day, for two, uh, receiving food, and naked, uh, sleeping on the floor. And then one day, uh, the old man got up, came out from under the table and put a shirt on and went right back under the table. And the prince said, why did you put this shirt on? I thought you were Turkey. And the man said, well, yes, I am a Turkey. But who said that a Turkey cannot wear a shirt? It's quite chilly here. And the prince said, hmm. Yes, indeed, it's quite chilly. Okay. And he went out and got the shirt and put the shirt on. And after a while, you, you understand the story, slowly, the um, old man and then the prince with him got dressed and eventually, of course, churches can go around and go outside. And they started acting more and more as human beings to eventually the the old man brought the prince back into a reality uh, and to, into understanding that the prince was a man. 
And there, of course, Rabbi Nachman of Breslau was not a psychiatrist or psychologist, but who had deep understanding of human nature and understand of, of psychosis. So I would say that my approach, although I don't see a lot of people or over the years, I haven't seen a lot of people who were diagnosed schizophrenic, uh, but I have seen them and my approach would be way much more along the lines of this story. The mind-body principle that I practice is that outer and inner are mirror images of each other. The ugliness, the terror, the persecution that a person is tormented by are different parts of him or her that are at war with one another. I level with them. If they have fear, I tell them about my own fear. I'm not making it up. I tell, I spoke to somebody who was living in terror and was afraid that KGB or CIA was listening uh, through the walls. And I was not debating the, the fact of them listening or not. I connected with his feeling of fear. So he felt my presence. I told him about being born after nine years after the World War II. And how I was a little boy, I saw people on the street, many people without legs, without arms. My father was out without what was without right arm. I heard stories of my relatives being slaughtered and horrific, horrific stories growing up. And I told him how much fear I had that this can happen again, or it can happen to me, or it can happen to my mom, and so on. And then he, uh, this person was telling me about his fears, and it went back and forth. And now we were buddies, we were friends. He understood that I am not a stranger from above, above him, looking down at him, and saying, your stories make no sense. Take medication, it will take you out, or even just snap out of it because it makes no sense. It doesn't correspond with the reality. No, his reality was pain and fear, and I connected with this, this pain and fear. But, but I'm a doctor. So not only understand him, but as a doctor working with many people, I have tools how to get over it. And after all, here I'm a doctor sitting uh, next to him and sharing with my own fears. And so a person would, would take then my advice because we, we are connected. The most important, I so agree with Dr. Peter Bregan, that connection with another human being, not necessarily with all, but with another human being is super important. And I don't go right away trying to change their way of thinking. Because remember, uh, schizophrenia is uh, characterized by a number of symptoms, such as delusions and thought disorder. And uh, once again, I remind you, out, outer and inner are mirror images of each other. So these people have disorder in their mind, 
in the inside. So the first thing I try to do is to create order in the outside. So I will give them a very simple assignment to make their bed. In fact, with this person that I keep in mind now, that I'm thinking about, I ask him to make bed every morning and send me a text with like a thumb up that he made his bed. And after that, I gave more assignments and more assignments. And only after uh, a number of months, maybe four or five months, I gave the first assignment to begin to recognize that there are many parts to all of us. And again, I spoke to him about my parts. That one part is, is courageous and left the Soviet Union going into the unknown. And the other part, really not my enemy, but a protector who was saying, don't do this. You don't speak English. It's, it's a country where brain, brainwashing, you know, people are starving on the street and the, there is violence. Like as they were telling us in the Soviet Union, you will get lost. You will never learn to speak how to speak the language and so on. So there, there were many parts in me. And so this person began to recognize that he has parts and one part is very scared. And the other part is the part that brought him to my office that wants to be alive and wants to find the way to live a better life. So it's all, it's all about connection. I have to tell you, uh, it's helping a person to feel that he or she is not alone, that they cared and loved. Uh, since let me move now to something else. We're talking about love uh, because I received, by the way, if anybody wants to call, I am here, please call. I want to now to try out this new system. Thankfully they fixed it and, and I can receive your calls, please, anytime. Uh, but I received one email from Jane. She said she can, I can use this, her name. Uh, she wrote to me about not knowing how to love. I, I understood from, from the email was kind of a little uh, long and I understood the, the age that she's uh, somewhere in her 40s uh, and she said she wants to learn how to love herself she said i take so many make so many mistakes i feel so inadequate i hate myself and all the self books talk about self-esteem and self-love none were helpful can you help me not to hate myself so much and I, I was thinking about it after I read the email, then I couldn't go to couldn't fall asleep. I was thinking about this woman somewhere far away. Uh, I don't know where she lives, but, but she list, made a big list of, of, of what she calls for mistakes and imperfections and how it's fair to resent herself for for being Dr. such Rose, a what you call the freak and and yet there is a part of her of course in spite of this self-hate wants to have better quality of life because she wrote to me this this email um, so how do 
Do you love yourself, Jane? If you, G okay, Jane, I pause. Uh, I I received a, a note that Gina is calling, and I want to take the phone call. Uh, Gina, you're on the air. Hi. Good afternoon, Doctor Vesnik. Hello, Gina. Yes, can you hear me? Hello. Mm, I don't hear. I Hello? don't hear the person. Hmm. I don't hear. Hello. Hmm. Well, hopefully they will fix it. Um, but but so far I don't hear Gina. I am sorry. Sorry, Gina. You're probably trying to to reach me. But um, try again. Talk to the people in the studio. They're working hard. I know, and I know that people can reach. Uh, can reach us because I was listening for now I do it for a long long time uh, a show right before me called um, the lead stories with Atrice lead and I love I love the way she interviews people uh, her straightforwardness her power her conviction although I don't believe don't agree with many things that she says but I love her show so I was listening to it and I I heard her take phone calls, so I don't know why I was not able to to hear you. Anyway, then I go back to hello. Are you? Hey, Gina. Hello, Gina. Mm, still not working. I am sorry, ladies and gentlemen. We are all we are all in the same situation trying to connect, but it's not working. So I will go back to answering Gina's email. And if they can connect us in the studio, they I know that they will connect us and, and inform me. So meanwhile, Gina. I will, I will continue talking. So back to, to Gina and self love. How can you love yourself, Gina, if you have so, so many imperfections? Uh, I will not argue with you about imperfections. You have them. You have yours, and I have mine. And I believe everyone has their own. I will tell you how you learn to love yourself. First, I will give you a general idea, and then I will go into details. You will learn to love yourself by loving and admiring your best qualities. I will repeat, by loving and admiring your best qualities. And recognizing that the bad and the ugly are there just for you and they are their runs in the ladder of self-mastery that we all have and we all have to climb in our lifetime. So the challenges in our character are, are exactly material that we brought into this lifetime 
so that we, we could transform them on the pace that we're able to do it. We are not evil because of that. That's what we we have as a goal to, to transform. Think of it. Dr. Resnick, let's try Gina one more time. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. I pause again. Hello, Gina. You're on the air. Can you hear me now? Hello, can you hear me now? Wonderful. Hey, hello, Gina. You're the first Hi. interruption. Thank you for calling, Gina. Oh, you're very, you're very welcome. I've you been, have a question or comment? Sorry? You have a question or a comment? Yes, I do have a question. It's not on what, you, what you've uh, been speaking about, which I find very, very, very interesting. But I've been wanting to ask you this for several months. How do you feel? Absolutely. I said I will force. It will not go away anywhere. I will finish that subject, but please ask your question. Okay. But my question is, how do you feel that we are doing in the spiritual war? And if we can, as in in a human form, help the spiritual war, war, a conflict or whatever, to, to help to help us do better in us, sir. Gina, I, you need to clarify for me. When you say the war, which war are you talking? There are so many wars well, happening think, right now. Spiritual war from heaven, heaven to the fallen angels. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a huge question. <laughs> Gina, uh, the war, but I will tell you my thinking, okay? What comes yeah. to me now. The war is not happening now. The war has been happening from the time of, what if you believe in creation, that the world was created. And it's a natural, uh, we're talking about polarity. The more there is good, the more there will be evil. So, and sometimes evil is stronger, sometimes good is stronger. And we, our job in this life is day by day uh, mastering ourselves so that there would be more good inside of us. So that's how we, we create more good. External, there are so many external wars, but they are reflection of the internal turmoil that we have inside. You know, uh, politicians say, I don't remember who exactly said it, uh, but I remember my brother uh, quoting uh, some politician who said, all wars are economic wars, which means it's a war for turf, war for, for market, and that's exactly the war inside, too, because who would start killing other people, provoking countries to war because they want to have more goods? That's the torment inside. Uh, philosopher Plato said 2,500 years ago, poverty increases not in the decrease of one's possessions, but the, in the increase of one's greed. There were so many, there were so many greedy people 
3,000 years ago, there were so many greedy people now. I could talk about many, you know, I'm trying not to do politics, but I could talk about many people who are billionaires who are ready to kill and I believe are killing people to have more dominance, more power, more money. So, and unless we, uh, as a community, all work on our own impulse, slowly, not with big things. Mother Teresa said, uh, there are no great things, only small things done with great love. Unless we learn first, as I was talking about Gina, uh, unless we learn first to love ourselves and then love our neighbor and accept mm -hmm. our neighbor. In fact, like I mentioned that I'm listening to a tree's lead uh, who speaks right before me. And I, I, love, <laughs> I love her confidence. I love her intelligence. And I'm telling you, I, from understanding where she comes from, I would say, 80% of issues we, she and I would disagree on. But it doesn't stop me from admiring her. She just has a different mm. opinion. And she's a grown woman. It's, it's absolutely her right to have her own opinion. I admire how, she, how she's doing her show. So if we can learn to love ourselves and, and accept other people as they are, permit them to be, so we'll stop the war inside of us. The, when you talk about the war between angels, we're talking about the impulse for good and evil in yes. Judaism. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's called Yetzirah, evil inclination, good inclination. That's why we have in, in the West, Western spiritual tradition that covers Judaism, Islam, uh, Christianity, Islam, we have this concept of Satan or Satan. And so you, what you're referring to is that Satan and his uh, side and then all the good angels, uh, but all the angels are good. Even the what we call bad angels, they are good angels. Uh, I don't know, Gina, if you heard a story, but before I go into stories, I get excited talking stories. But are you with me? Do you, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Am I answering your question? I still have this burning I I feel that we are losing the spiritual war. Like when when he she was cast out of I'm sorry, Gina, it's not very clear. I need you to speak clear, clear, clear. But maybe it's not you, maybe it's a studio. Yeah, no, I hear I hear feedback from you, I mean. Yeah, me too. I hear this um, I, I try to speak you speak very, very low. Maybe it won't happen. Yeah. Sounds good. But so, can you repeat what you just said? What I'm saying, what I'm, what I'm trying to get, I'm trying to handle myself. I agree with you, everything you said, and I try to live my life that way. And as a senior, I'm getting frustrated because I think the, the world is. Um, the spirituality is, is, the good side is losing the of the dark side. That's what, that's what we, we get as we all can see. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I pray and we, I reach out to the archangel. I wish I, I wish I had some power to have people of like mind to, to pray a, one or two times a day at the same time. Maybe that will that will repel all this. Yeah. 
I agree with you. I actually, I think that last week I spoke about it, I, or, or maybe two weeks ago, I spoke about the power of prayer, and it was scientifically demonstrated uh, through not prayer but meditation when Maharishi Yogi brought transcendental mm -hmm. meditation. Mm -hmm. He suggested. I heard it. I heard it. Mm -hmm. Right, and, and one of a thousand in the city, when they meditate at the same time, changes happen, mm -hmm. the crowd goes down. The same thing. I agree with you, Gina. I would love, I, I heard, heard you, heard you and, and I've been wanting to ask this question, and I wish I, I could have gotten through that day, but of course, you didn't have calls coming in. But I, I said, oh, you know, it'll eventually come, and it maybe can enlighten like minded people to. I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you, and I'm happy that you mentioned it because for this morning I pray every morning, and this morning I was mm -hmm. speaking about uh, praying, saying, uh, "Please help people whose mm -hmm. ears are open and whose heart are open to connect mm -hmm. with another mm -hmm. and and welcome peace in their hearts and create peace outside of them." So. That was basically part of my prayer, and then I prayed for my personal, for my family, and so on. So mm -hmm. I think it's one of the ways. The, I believe that the main, the main work is on ourselves and not supporting people who want to enslave us, because yeah, right now, a propaganda machine is so strong; it's so difficult to figure out. What is true? You listen to the news and you think, wow, this is true. I, I actually prepared something. Angles, they're coming from, from, you know, I don't even have to mention how they're coming at, they're hitting us all ways. It's, it's very difficult to defend yourself under those circumstances. Surround yourself with a white light and pray to your archangels and try to, uh, but. Um, yes, but logistically, it, you see, it's, it's, we remember we have outside and inside inner and outer mm -hmm. life. But in, in inner life, I totally agree with you. You start your day by surrounding yourself with white light. But in the outside, when you are bombarded by information, how do you figure out what is true, what is not? It's very difficult. You know, I'm not I, speaking I basically to myself. I'm more afraid for the for generations beyond. I'm not, I don't live in fear. And, um, and I'll be very honest with you because I... Whether I'm protected or not, I feel that I'm strong enough that I have been given that gift and I know how to access um, courage. But it's, it's the younger people that are being that are being affected, and it's uh, even in your own family. If you look at just through education or non-education, and they um, that's you know. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, 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 I some way that we can have unison uh, prayer for people who are built, really have, you know, have that spiritual power that we can just turn this evil, and just wash them right back down to Gehenna. Mm. I, you know, I'm totally with you, and and I'm trying not to worry because the worrying is is oh. help. That's what the evil wants us to worry. In my own, I don't family, worry. I'm reaching out for help. I'm reaching out for direction. I'm not worrying. I'm not. I'm not calling you. Don't mistake me for that because I don't worry. I. I. But I reach out for help so I can have better tools. 
Mm -hmm. That's very nice. But I, I have to tell you that I periodically go through waves of worry because, for example, my, my, my daughter thinks quite differently than I do. Like my son thinks more along the lines that I do. And I believe that, that I am right. But my daughter believes also that she is right. So at the end, mm -hmm. I say, may the best, may the truth come out eventually, <laughs> and we'll just acknowledge it. And that's all. I cannot imagine. Being, being your daughter, how could she have such different views? <laughs> uh, because that's because because that's how she grew up mm -hmm. with the, the television, uh, with the yes. news, also. Her mother mm -hmm. also has influence, and her mother has different views than I do. Certain, mm -hmm. certain things. So we're talking yeah. about politics now, and, yeah, and yeah. since we're talking now really politics, uh, because we are affected by what's happening, I actually prepared mm -hmm. something I want to share a little later. Just with mm -hmm. one, I want to talk about climate change uh, and how this information affects people. For example, my daughter thinks differently than I do. And I, I send her information and she wouldn't even read it because she already has an answer because she mm -hmm. heard CNN. So <laughs> what can mm -hmm. I tell you? I love mm -hmm. my daughter. But, but she, I hope she will understand or sometimes read the material mm -hmm. that, I will, that I send her. But mm -hmm. I can only pray that it will happen, but uh, continue loving her and those people who disagree with me. Anyway, Gina, thank you very much for calling. Oh, you're very, very welcome. And in the future, if you have, come, if you have any more words of wisdom and insight from, from, you, from your wonderful, you know, wisdom, Please uh, share it with us. Obviously, you will, because I, I, I take it to heart, and it's like, you know, I resonate with you. I can't help it, but I do. <laughs> yeah, Gina, it Thank will you. be very challenging times. In all my life, I'm 68 years old. In the last three, four years, it's the most kind of almost weird times that we so, are bombarded by such... Con contradictions, such such avalanche of garbage and good, and how do you figure out which is which? It's very difficult. Thank you, Gina. Thank you for taking my call. Continue to listen. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you, Gina. God bless you. God bless you too. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. So since I mentioned to Gina, I'm so happy she called. Since I mentioned to Gina, I will talk to you about climate change just a little bit um, because I, I thought of talking about it. But let me finish with Jane and loving yourself. Uh, and as I said, the way you learn uh, to love yourself, one of the ways is here. Let, let, why don't you do this? You think of yourself having three faces. Everyone. Three faces. The first face is what you show to the world. Uh, the Greek word for face is pers persona, which means a mask, literally. It's what we want people to see. It's our survival traits which helped us to navigate in the environment. It's our response to parents' teachings, to our education in school, peer pressure. The second face is what 
we think about ourselves or what we know about ourselves, all the negative aspects of ourselves. But we don't want other people to know, but we know. And that's what uh, Jane was talking about, how she recognized those qualities, all the good, the bad, and the ugly. But the third phase, I don't think she's connected with. The third phase is the deepest of the deepest of us, the deepest of the deepest of you, Jane. And that's what you see when come what when uh, something happens, and it comes out of you spontaneously. And I haven't seen one person who couldn't go back in his or her life and remember some act that they were proud of something you did good, something that you felt good about, uh, and said, like, was even more be surprised. And when you acted in that beautiful way, that was the true you, that was the essence. And all that face of the of the second phase, all the characteristics, all the negative qualities, they're simply material to you for you to work on, so that that beautiful part of you could fully manifest. That's the beautiful soul coming through. But so often, uh, that beautiful soul cannot manifest itself in the world, because of all those qualities that we have to work on, and we must not hate them, not hate them, but acknowledge them. And then starting from the easiest to overcome, worked on overcoming them. Hating yourself is such a, such a heavy burden that it incapacitates a person so that they cannot don't have any energy to to work on themselves. You see? So chisel it into your memory, think about that best part of yourself. Uh, think of your unique journey, your struggles, your successes. All these uh, is the uh, little links, little uh, pieces that go into the tapestry of human experience. God is experiencing God's self through us, not only through the best of us, but through all of us, through all that we do, all the challenges that we experience. So you are helping, you are an extension of God, you are helping God to know God's self. So, but of course, if you stop judging those parts and accept them, you will find that more and more those beautiful qualities begin to shine through as you are working on the challenges, qualities. How do you learn to love oneself and then others? You learn to love through giving. There is no loving without giving. Why do we love children, our children? We do everything for them. We're ready to die for them. We may be fond of children of other people, but we don't do for them. We don't extend ourselves 
to the degree that we extend ourselves to our uh, children, because we have been giving to them all, all their life. That's it. So the same thing, you know, people ask, how can you know, how can you love God? You cannot taste God, you cannot smell God, you cannot see God, you can, how can you love God? By giving to God. But what can you give to God when God is everything and God has everything? You give to God's creatures. You understand? There is actually a beautiful story. Uh, and let me remember it. Yes, the, uh, Moses is uphill, remember, on the mountain. And uh, he's speaking to God. And uh, meanwhile, Jews are preparing to have a feast when Moses comes down. And he knows that down there, they're preparing for the feast. And God says, listen, uh, uh, do you know that your people are preparing a big feast? And Moses says, yes, yes. And he says, so how come that you don't invite me? And Moses says, I'm very sorry. I didn't think that God, you will come for, for dinner. And God said, oh, don't make decisions for me. It's like, of course, it's a teaching tale. Uh, I will come if you invite. And Moses says, I'm, I'm so happy, you know, I will go and tell people that you will come, we'll be so happy to have you for dinner. And so Moses goes down and tells people that God uh, chose to appear for dinner. So we really have to make a nice meal, because God is coming at the sunset. And so they all cooking the whole community downhill. Uh, is preparing, they're all excited. And um, while they're finishing up, but there's still a lot to do, of course, it's a big party, uh, a, a stranger comes, uh, a beggar and says that he's hungry. And they say to him, listen, uh, we're happy that you came, go and sit there, wait, you know, we're preparing a big feast uh, for God. So um, once we have the dinner, we'll give you some food too. And so they're waiting and waiting and waiting. Now sunset happened and God is not coming. So hours pass by, so they decide, well, food is prepared. So they sit down. Uh, and meanwhile, the stranger walked away because he was hungry and wasn't fed. So and uh, the next day, Moses goes uphill and goes to God and says, listen, I'm sorry uh, to say, but people have difficulties believing in you anyway. And you said you were going to come and you didn't show up. What can I tell people? Why didn't you show up? And God says, I did. And when Moses says, what do you mean you did? You were not there. And God says, yes, I was there. That stranger. When you honor when you welcome, when you treat well the creature, you honor and treat well the creator. That was my creature that came to feast with you. So the story is you give 
and you express your love through giving. In fact, by the way, the Hebrew word for love is achava. And the root of the word achava, hav, means to give. So that's that's the story. And by the way, while I'm telling stories, again, if anybody wants to call, you're welcome. I will pause and gladly take your call. Meanwhile, uh, you know, humanistic psychologist Rollo May, I remember, I still have a book, his book on love and will on my shelf. Uh, it tells a story of, uh, by the way, uh, Rollo May was writing in 1970s. Uh, and at that time, the whole idea that of self-love and self-care was very, very popular. And he tells a story about a client who had intercourse with his beloved and in order to give her more pleasure he used some kind of cream to numb sensitivity uh, for himself so he could prolong intercourse and give more pleasure to his wife and Rolla May saw it as dysfunction as dysfunction because he was not caring about himself and he was preoccupied what he called with performance. And I will disagree respectfully, though the Roland May is a great teacher. And I read also the book, uh, Love, uh, The Return to Eros by Rabbi uh, Mark Gaffney, who would say, no, no. Indeed, what this man did was an act of love. During uh, this experience, he was totally in into giving. He just wanted to give more to his lover. And uh, that was a true act of love, even at, when it meant that it was at the expense of his own pleasure. So that, that's giving. So very often I say to people, uh, love is a verb. You act in a loving way or you do not act in a loving way. So that's how you know. As, as again, where I quoted Mother Teresa, there are no great deeds, only small deeds done with great love. So, Jane, how, to, how do you learn to love yourself? Think of you and there is indeed part of you that is a young, maybe six or eight-year-old girl. Think of you as, a, as part of you being that little child. And practice being kind and loving and giving toward that part. Don't judge it. Just like, you know, it's a little child. Imagine it's in your life. Anytime you want to pass a judgment on yourself, think that you're passing judgment on that little girl who needs love and encouragement. Uh, and that will be your first step. And I will be happy if you call in uh, at some point or send me an email about your progress. Uh, you know, I was thinking this show is Dr. Peter Resnick's toolbox. So toolbox about what? 
about better quality of your life, working with your body and mind. And I'm questioning sometimes, do I get involved in politics? Uh, please write to me, call me and tell me what you think. Of course, I have my own opinions. This weekend, I spend time with a good friend of mine, a very good friend. Um, and we had the discussion on climate change. And he and his father own uh, not a bank, but a mortgage company. Now only banks can give mortgage, but they were grandfathered. Now in old times, they were still giving to private companies this right to loan money. So, and when I brought up the idea of climate change, my friend said, first of all, there is a great hypocrisy. The biggest promoters of climate change in protecting climate are all using jets, uh, uh, fly uh, in jets like Prince Harry and Meghan Merkel and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bill Gates, who has four jets, not one, and Bloomberg uh, has private jets and all his people, uh, all his major staff and Mike. Michael Jordan and LeBron James all have flying jets, jets and uh, Tom Cruise, they're all speaking about the environment. But my friend told me, always follow the money. He said, if we want to give somebody a mortgage, and, and uh, Al Gore was saying, if we don't cha make changes by the year 2020, we'll be under the water. Yes? But think about this, and, and my friend told me, uh, in order for, to give a, a loan for $500,000, you cannot imagine we spend $9,000 digging the earth, exploring what will happen, and maybe there is some poison, maybe there is some, uh, so there was years ago a leak of oil in the earth. The, the more the the more expensive the building, the more they do studies that's a 30 year old long mortgage, they study of what will happen 50, 60 years from now to this building. And only then they loan money. And he said, think about how much studies they make, these huge corporations, and he listed many, 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 many companies, and, and many private people uh, who who bought enormous amount of property along the coastline in in Great Britain, uh, in the United States, in Florida, multi-billion dollar corporations uh, building buildings right on the coastline. He said, if the water rises by 10 feet only, all this will disappear, the Florida, all the coastlines, and yet they're investing billions in them because they know nothing will happen. And it's all a big, big scam. All these films, and, and there, is, there is an incredible guy, billionaire Dan Pena, P-E-N-A, and he talks a lot about it. You also can go on, on, uh, on YouTube and just write, Dan Pena about the environment. I heard, uh, uh, watched a video. Uh, the very people who scare you about 
climate change, they're not afraid of climate change because they buy expensive properties right on the coastline. If they thought that the the temperatures indeed in the world will change and and the oceans will rise, they would not be investing all this money. And anyway, uh, we could talk more about it and we could talk more, more about hypocrisy of all these rich people who are flying planes and politicians and talk about climate change and how important it is for us to protect environment and yet they're not protecting environment because there is nothing to protect there are cycles in the nature and uh, every few thousand years the temperature goes a little up a little bit down and that's what scientists uh, are saying but on the cnn they will talk only about what uh, this big money want them to tell you so uh, you have to be very discriminate and look for different opinions than rather than what you hear and see on <laughs> i have to say this fake news which is really a propaganda machine whether it's talking about china or or socialism or america being uh, less than and not good enough and and we have to change and we have to dismantle this beautiful country that was built over hundreds of years and now these people take it for granted and feel that they can improve it they can do revolutionary changes revolution always always brings death and destruction only slow changes in evolution can improve the society that has been improving in the last 50 years enormously but it doesn't serve their purpose this liars and hypocrites uh, anyway and who, who are rich they are talking about loving their neighbors and loving being loving towards poor people and themselves like nancy pelosi and maxine walters live in mansions and they ask you uh, to to protect environment and not to fly in planes and themselves fly in jets anyway Thank you very much for your attention. I have to finish now. I am glad we have now uh, live shows and you can call in. I hope you will be calling next Tuesday at two o'clock. Thank you for being with me today. Be happy. Peace to all who want to live in peace.